and welcome to Evaluand, a podcast about the land of evaluation between you and me, your host, Dana Linnell Wanzer. This is the show where we interview people about any and all things evaluation related. Hey everyone, it's been a while since my last episode since I've been taking the summer off after a stressful academic year, but last month Evaluand officially turned one years old. Since this podcast began, we've had 25 episodes and nearly 3,500 downloads. This podcast couldn't exist without you listeners, and I'm so incredibly grateful for each and every one of you who has listened or reached out about the podcast. I'd love to hear from you about the direction of the podcast moving forward. For the fall, I've been contemplating a theme for the next set of episodes, perhaps on various evaluation theories or approaches, something that could help people learn about them, but also somewhat selfishly something I could share with students uh, for my future evaluation students. So if you have ideas for themes, guests, or topics that you'd like the podcast to go over, or better yet, if you'd like to suggest yourself as a guest on the podcast, please email me at Dana at DanaWanzer.com. In the meantime, earlier this summer, James Pan interviewed me about my latest study out in the American Journal of Evaluation entitled, What is Evaluation? Perspectives of how evaluation differs or not from research. This is the audio from the video, uh, from the interview, there we go. But if you're interested in the video, check out the show notes to a link to the video on James Pan's YouTube channel. He has a ton of other interviews with other folks that I highly recommend that you also check out. So I hope you enjoy his interview of me on my latest research. Enjoy. Dr. Dano Wanzer. There you go. Appreciate you joining me. Thank you very much. Um, so I, I wanted to, to talk with you about your uh, recent paper. I'm really excited about that. And then some other things too um, that uh, we can talk about. So you have a paper that you published in uh, AJE called What is Evaluation? Perspectives of how evaluation differs or not from research. So can you, can you talk about like why this topic interests you? I mean, to write a paper, it takes a lot of time and, and to you know, do the, the study and analysis, just everything that went into this. This was not a, a quick project. Um, you had to have, I guess, an interest in it, right? So can, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first, uh, you know, thank you for having me here. I'm really excited. I very much enjoyed your podcast and listened to the back catalog and watched the YouTube videos. So I really appreciate it. And thank you for having me here. Cool. This all started back in graduate school. Um, I, I, so I studied at Claremont Graduate University and, you know, studying evaluation day one, I was like, I don't even know what evaluation is. But once I found out, I was like, oh, I'm hooked. This is it. Uh, this is exactly yeah. what I've been, you know, trying to put into words and didn't know there was a, a term or a field for it. So it was very serendipitous, I think, to end up at Claremont when that was not the goal to go into evaluation. And so um, as I'm going through my master's degree program, I had my heart set on getting a PhD. And so I've been, I was writing down all these ideas in a little notebook of thesis ideas. What, you know, what could my first study be for my thesis once I got into the PhD program? Mm -hmm. And so that was one of my first things that I wrote in my, in my book was like, what is the difference between research and evaluation? And it's something that throughout my graduate school, especially my first few years, I would always struggle with like, 
how would I describe the difference between research and evaluation? Why is there a difference? Do the differences matter? Um, what might those differences be? And so I just kept grappling with it. And as I continued to revisit, it didn't become my thesis, didn't become my dissertation, but I kept going back to it. And eventually I was like, well, I just, I need to do this study. I need to do something with this because it's, it's something that's bothering me so much that it's like, a, it's a question that I felt was really important to, to help answer. And so, you know, looking to the literature to see what, what's out there, it quickly became um, obvious that this was something that a lot of people were grappling with as well. And yeah. uh, nobody had really done research on it. It was just a lot of um, really good thought work on the topic. And so I wanted to extend that into an empirical study to find out, well, how do people define what evaluation is and how do they differentiate from research? Because both are the issue, right? It's not just how do we differentiate from research, but also how do we define it? I know we'll talk about in a bit, uh, like uh, Amy Gullickson's article, because I think it's a great... Uh, very serendipitous as well that those two articles came out right around the same time. Uh, yeah. So like I took mine for my, my paper from a very um, empirical um, standpoint, a very descriptive standpoint, and hers is much more a prescriptive standpoint of what should the definition of evaluation be. And I think putting the two together, I think is um, really helpful in how I now, you know, approach it in thinking oh, cool. about what is evaluation and research. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I really like the, the the summary. Some of the tables in your uh, your article are really helpful, like the the distinction between the two. That table I could see using that uh, a lot in, in instruction. So I appreciate that. I think a lot of people will be using that. It's a nice kind of adding to what's what's out there and and building on that. And then uh, your review is really nice. And then the, the findings. Let's talk about the findings. So um, maybe a brief a brief summary of the findings, and then like anything that su su surprised you. Anything that surprised you from, um, and I guess you could talk a little bit just uh, about what you did too, because we, yeah, assuming people uh, read it, probably shouldn't. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so methods were, um, I asked folks, and I primarily sampled folks from the American Evaluation Association, as well as the American Educational Research Association. So I will caveat that um, primarily either evaluators or educational researchers are who I was asking. Um, it'd be very interesting to do the study with economists as a follow-up because I think they'd have very different answers, but um, I approach it as, as with a simple survey. I wanted a simple survey that folks would be, you know, encouraged to take and not feel overly burdened with. And, and it was very simple of like, open-ended question, how do you define evaluation? Mm -hmm. Open-ended question, how do you differentiate evaluation from research, if at all? And then um, a follow-up after that, okay, based on your definition and differentiation answers, which of these five diagrams, the diagrams being in the article, best matches your description? And those five diagrams are basically evaluation is applied research. They're one and the same mm -hmm. that um, evaluation and applied research intersect like a Venn diagram that evaluation is a subset of research, that research is a subset of evaluation, and that they exist on a continuum. So I, I asked that, and then I asked a variety of like, okay, on these dimensions that I provided, are there like where, to what extent do you think they differ? Uh, evaluation research differ, for example, on generalizability or the purpose of the study or the questions that are asked. Uh, so do not differ, differ somewhat, differ greatly and a few demographic questions, and that was it. And so nice, short, and sweet. Uh, overall results found that basically 
um, when we like, if we think of Amy Gullickson's article and thinking both the logic of evaluation and the fully described, fully judged component that, uh, that values and judgment piece was, was one of the things that really came out that a lot of people evaluation is about making those value judgments. In the evaluation literature, there's also this component of that some people use to just define evaluation that's related to the purpose of what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Scriven is very much, no, the purpose of evaluation has nothing to do with how we define evaluation. Um, but a lot of evaluators do think the purpose is worthwhile mentioning. Um, the purpose is not just to define, like, to make that value judgment, but often for learning purposes, decision-making purposes, that type of thing. Um, it's a means to an end a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like the value evaluate. judgment is not the, the end and all be all there's something more to it. That's right. what makes evaluation the field that we are in. Um, perhaps it's, I won't go into that, but um, so there's this, there, we've got this kind of dichotomy there, which, um, you know, I think we're starting to explore a little bit more like the different types of evaluators and how they, you know, might differ on theirs, but for the most part, evaluators thought that decision-making piece was also kind of important, more so than researchers did. And then um, the one big finding is basically that evaluators thought that evaluation and researcher research it intersect like a Venn diagram, mm -hmm. suggesting that evaluation has these unique components to it beyond uh, the social science research frame. So they, they overlap kind of like, like they kind of, okay. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Venn diagram. Um, whereas researchers tended to think of evaluation more as a subset of research, that mm -hmm. evaluation, just a type of research is a method in the methodological toolbox of research. Mm -hmm. It's just it, it. That's it. And I think the implications of that are pretty important, that if researchers think evaluation is just a method that perhaps they don't really recognize evaluation as being a distinct field, a distinct area of study as having unique aspects beyond research. Um, so that, that, that's one big finding. And then the, the second big finding is that evaluators, not surprisingly, given the definitional differences, did see a lot more differences between research and evaluation on those components. Like they thought more things differed and they differed more greatly than did researchers. Uh, be, between evaluation and research. So we see the unique aspect, but people outside our field don't necessarily see that. And that's kind of the communication, field building, professionalization problem associated with all this and why I think a lot of people are grappling with this question. I think there's a lot of people who are more like methodologists, statisticians, so forth in the social sciences who don't really know what evaluation is. Like if you push them to say, okay, well, what is Okay, so it's a subset. Okay, so, but but what is it? Define it. it. They the definition. They would be like, I don't know. You know, it'd be like the same. It's the same. You know, I've I've heard that many times. Either I don't know, or they're they're really the same thing. Yeah, we have stakeholders too. You know, we have you know. So that's that's I think that's interesting. Now it's a small sample, of just the people that I you know have talked with who are not evaluators, but. Uh, I, I think we do have to do a better job of really explaining, which is one of the, the points in your paper, explaining like what, what we do, what's unique about it. Um, but at the same time, it's a challenge, right? Like, how do you do that when you, you still, you know, haven't really defined the field? I mean, we, we know what physicians do generally. We know what licensed psychologists do. We know what 
you know, if you're an architect, we know what you can, you know, and you're, you're licensed by the state or regulated in some way, we know what you can do, what you can't do. But with evaluations, a bit different, uh, quite different, I guess. Um, what you know, I, I wonder. Um, I wonder where where it's going to head. Uh, you know, I wonder if we're going to have some sort of more like more professionalization uh, in the field. Do you have do you have thoughts on that, or do you do you think about that at all? Uh, yeah, I um, I do think about this a lot. Uh, Bianca Montrose Moorhead and I are doing kind of a follow up study that. I think helps us at least think about how this could like be used for professionalization. Um, I see our field moving in that direction, at least here in, in the United States, the recently adopted competencies are clearly a step towards professionalization. They are not indicative of necessarily that we are a profession just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bianca and I have been approaching it, not so much as like, are we a profession or not, but more so, okay, regardless of that question, how do we distinguish ourselves from other similar fields or professions? Um, Kind of thinking about what those boundaries are between evaluation and in our case, research for the most part. And so we talk about it a lot about like, should we professionalize? And I, I, I fully recognize both sides of the argument. And I think they both have good valid arguments for like why or why not we should professionalize mm-hmm. in one regard um that i think our research is pointing towards is like we need to professionalize to better communicate to others outside of our field who we are what we do and how we are supposed to do this work because if we don't have those professional boundaries then i mean and we see this all the time then funders get to dictate how evaluation is done. And it doesn't always align with our set of competencies, our ethical guiding principles, um, the personal frameworks and approaches that we use in evaluation. They'll just say, no, this is what we expect. And that may not align with what you want to do as an evaluator or what you think is maybe even ethical as an evaluator. They call it evaluation. They say, we want to do an evaluation. We'll fund, you know, 10% of the project will go towards this. But then when you look at it, it's really maybe not evaluation or arguably not. Yeah. Right. And so like, like often it's depending on the type of funder, often it's, it's an RCT, right? That's, mm-hmm. that is what's most highly recognized by uh, clearing houses, like the, what works clearing house uh, as the highest level of evidence type thing. Mm-hmm. And that is a method in our evaluation toolbox, just like it's a method in the research toolbox, but mm-hmm. it is not sufficient. Like it's, it's one way to do evaluation. It's not sufficient in and of itself is not fully encompassing that fully judge piece that, um, that uh, Amy Gullickson's article talks about that is really key to being an evaluation. So um, some, like I, I get the sense that a lot of people think evaluation is an RCT and that that is what it is. Um, there might be some more to it, but when people, especially I think researchers are approaching it, it's like, am I doing an RCT with a program? Cool. That's an, that's an evaluation. And then the problem I see with that, and this is what I'm starting to see in this follow-up study that we're doing is that we're talking with researchers who are working in like deeply embedded in programmatic contexts, working really closely with stakeholders and they are talking about how they're rejecting the like the typical applied research kind of swoop in, swoop out, like um, not really being invested in the program, all this stuff. Uh, and they're they're talking about rejecting that notion. And but then you talk to them, well, what do you think about evaluation? They're like, 
no, I don't No, This is an evaluation. And I'm like, in, in many regards, I think you're practicing very similarly to evaluation and uh-huh. how a lot of people, how a lot of evaluators approach that type of work. And they, I, I'm pretty certain that they just have this misconception of what evaluation is. And mm-hmm. therefore they don't even explore this wide field that we have, this knowledge that we have about an expertise about working with stakeholders to answer questions of of interest to them that also have interest to, uh, you know, general knowledge building oftentimes. Like we, we have these areas of expertise that aren't getting tapped into because there's not this lack of recognition that we are our own field and own profession with our own bodies of knowledge that unfortunately we're just not, we're not communicating with one another. Yeah. Well, having a, a variety of definitions doesn't help, you know, it does not yeah, back to, back to that. So with the, Let's 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 say so you mentioned Amy Gullickson's article, and I, I you know spoke with her. Um, you know, great. It was a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. it was and, uh, so from so she has an article. What actually first attracted me to the article was the the, uh, the 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 title with the whole elephant defining evaluation. Uh, it was in evaluation pro- program planning the the journal, and so this is her her definition. I'm gonna have to read it here because I don't. From memory, which it seems like you almost know it by memory, or maybe you do. Let's see. Evaluation is the generation of a credible and systematic determination of merit, worth, and or significance of an object through the application of defensible criteria and standards to demonstrably relevant empirical facts. In one breath would be impressive, but I I had to breathe a couple times there. So tell me about that. What, What do you, so thinking, reflecting on that definition, what do you, what do you think of it? What's, what's your, like, okay, I guess I could just ask you, like, what, what do you say to people when they, like, who maybe are researchers? Cause you, you, you come, you, you, you interact in your, in your department, probably with m- maybe a lot of people that don't know much about evaluation, although you have more of an evaluate uh, established program, I think there, right. But how do you explain it to others? Let's just, let's say your students to faculty, to, you know, people who are, and you know, and who work at human health, human service organizations who provide programs, services. Yeah, how do you how do you explain it? So I very much agree with the article by Sarah Mason and Ashley Hunt that came out, um, I think, twenty nineteen, and also the American Journal of Evaluation. Uh, Sarah Mason was my colleague. Well, both of them were my colleagues at Claremont Graduate University, and they they looked into that very question, how do we communicate what evaluation is to a variety of other people? And the basic finding from that is it's contextual, depends on who I'm talking to. So if I'm talking to a colleague at my institution at University of Wisconsin-Stout, I'm going to approach it like like how it kind of typically have defined evaluation sort of is like, you know, I work with programs to help evaluate how effective they're doing, how they can improve their services, how they can better meet the needs of the people that they're working with. That's typically how I approach it. And then when somebody's like, oh, I know about evaluation, then I can get nerdy into it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm talking to like my mom's friend and my mom and my, like, you know, my family kind of knows what I do a little bit. Um, like, I'm just gonna be like, I, I kind of work with programs, do like research, like stuff with them about how they're doing what they're doing and how they can improve what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of, uh, simplify things a little bit. Um, I remember I kept, I would always poke my husband. I'm like, how, what do you think I do? And one time it was like, you survey children. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes that's part of it, but, um, you know, like, 
people come with a variety of different levels of expertise and, uh-huh. and experience with evaluation and related fields. Um, so like with my students, I can expect them to know a little bit about what about uh, what research is, not evaluation, but what research is. And so that's kind of one reason why I like my study and why I like I assign it as reading is because they've got that kind of uh, heuristic in mind already. Like, okay, research is this. And then it's like, well, how does it, how is it similar and different from research to evaluation? And mm-hmm. so then they can see, okay, those methods are pretty similar. The designs are pretty similar, but it's like that stakeholder involvement piece, the purpose piece, the questions piece, the dissemination piece, those are the differences. And so I spend more time in my classes on those components as well. Like I don't, I do need to cover the methods a little bit, but um, they get that in their methods training in general and their research training in general. So I don't have to cover it as much because a survey is a survey for the most part, at least in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it it's just the how it's implemented can differ a little bit and how it fits into the overall purpose and dissemination that's going to differ a lot. The definition of evaluation, I think it's, it's really important. Um, you see, let's say with... Um, a lot of health human service organizations, folks running those programs, when they need to find an evaluator for a, for a, let's say a federal grant or a foundation grant required to have an evaluator, let's say. Um, so they'll, they'll need to you know, reach out, find someone. And a lot of times they'll look for people who are researchers who have content area, you know, domain uh, familiarity, like with, with whatever, if it's after school, you know, look for someone with after school and then the assumption many times with the, the person that they're bringing on is because they have that domain content familiarity and that they have a background, they, they know statistics, they took it, they, they use it, whatever, um, or some quali- you know, qualitative, whatever it is, the methodological sophistication, understanding that they can do the evaluation. It's never, it, that's, I mean, that's the assumption. It's never even talked about beyond that, right? Um, as, as, so I think that, that we have to do better uh, uh, to address that kind of that kind of issue. I think that comes up, and you know what what could an evaluator uh, do that would maybe be a bit different on this project, yeah. uh, or could be at least. Well, uh, to some extent, that's kind of why I think that evaluators should have some some subject matter expertise beyond evaluation. Um, mm-hmm. That. And there are, there are great evaluators that are pure generalists that they'll work in any context, but they do it well because they, they partner with subject matter experts. Right. Um, but I think it also helps to be, for example, I approach, like I'm a youth program evaluator. Mm -hmm. Could I go and do an evaluation in some other context? Sure. I would definitely bring in subject matter expertise, but at least if I go into a youth program context, like an after-school program, I'm going to feel really comfortable in that because I've done a lot of evaluations in that, in that field, computer science education. I feel a lot more comfortable in that field as well. Um, And then you start like branching out and I feel less and less comfortable and I don't feel like I can bring that expertise in. Um, going from the other side, though, the, the pure subject matter expertise uh, experts without the evaluation expertise, um, I always found it funny that um, a lot of our projects at Claremont would come from programs who had partnered with such people and were like, no, this is not working for us. Can you help us? And so we had to come in and kind of rescue the evaluation because what typically happens, at least from the folks that end up coming to us afterwards, is you know, they're coming in with a peer research agenda, not thinking about what is the program's needs. They, mm-hmm. um, 
don't communicate well with the program about what they're doing and why they're doing it, why it's important. Cause it could be important, but it's just, pro- it's just, there's a lack of alignment mm-hmm. and that makes the program who's paying for these services very frustrated. Right. And so then they seek out people who's like, well, this is what we need and we need to get funding. We need to do this. We need to figure out if this is working or whatnot. They wanted to do some weird research project that sounds cool, but it's not relevant to what we do. And so um, I think that's the big key about what we do is like, we are there to work with the programs, like, sure, to get paid, like we need our livelihoods, but we're there to help them in their capacities. And we bring in our expertise because sometimes we're like, well, that's not quite what you should be focusing on. You know, let's start here first. We can get there later, right? Everybody wants to jump to outcomes. You're not often ready for the outcomes. Um, so we can help them get to that point um, versus... And so this is like the topic of my dissertation was looking at how evaluations are similar to research practice partnerships, uh, where researchers partner with practitioners to develop partnerships like uh, the University of Chicago Consortium is one really big example, long-term um, example of that. Yeah. And they're, they're really awesome. I love research practice partnerships. I think that they're kind of the in-between between what we do as evaluators and what researchers do typically though right? Because they still have, researchers tend to still have kind of their own agenda coming in. Mm -hmm. They want to get published. They want to contribute to the general knowledge base. They Mm -hmm. want to um, get access to data that they can do other things with Mm -hmm. versus maybe an evaluator is interested in that. But for the most part, we're there, work with the program, help the program out, do what they need, meet their needs. There's a general like philosophical, like an orientation difference like just a how you're oriented you're oriented towards the program towards what their needs are towards helping that is like the primary kind of uh goal most evaluators would agree with that most not all but most maybe i would say so i do get i get i get some pushback from some folks who because i think they think when i say that uh, it's like we're purely um uh like altruistic about it like we're Uh you know, we're just doing it for the love of the program. And I think some of us are doing it for the love of the programs we're working with, but um, others are like, nah, I, you know, I, yeah, the program's beneficial, but you know, I'm just doing my job. I'm like, okay, cool. I love evaluation so much that like, I can't, you know, if I, if that were my mentality, I would not care about doing this very much. Like I, I love yeah. what I do and I do it because I love working the programs, but yeah, not everybody agrees. And I, I do get pushback on that. So I was watching this um, this really cool webinar on machine learning and uh, and design in uh, in like computer applications, and so they were they were talking about like how to incorporate machine learning into uh, different you know different applications, you know like how you use machine learning like on Pinterest, you know, and and how it should be the user experience. I should have said user the user the UX the user experience. It was really neat. But what stood out for me, aside from the content, was they were the the presenter was describing really an evaluation process. Didn't use the word evaluate. Well, used evaluate a few times. Didn't uh, refer to the value part of it. But was more like figuring out what works, getting feedback. You know, using some quant qual methods in order to figure out how to make the UX with you know bringing uh, ML into into an application, like how to do that more effectively. So it, what I was like distracted by internally, which happens sometimes, was like, well, you know, do we need like a better word than 
evaluation. You know, we'd say program evaluation, you know, and then some people really don't like that, um, right? Um, but like, do we need another word? Because everyone uses this word evaluation, right? I mean, in every field and they don't know who we are or what we do, um, let's say, for example. But do we, is there another term or another way that we need to describe how we, how we conceptualize evaluation? What, what's, your, yeah. what's your thought about that? I, I, I'm not sure. I have no idea what the answer to that is. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't either. I, I have talked to people who are adamant that we need a new, a new word and other people that think that, you know, evaluation is sufficient and does sufficiently and adequately and accurately define what we do. Um, I think the issue is the perhaps negative connotations that are associated with the word mm -hmm. that, um, you know, evaluation anxiety for one, that um, unfortunately evaluation also has different meanings in different fields, right? So like evaluation and computer programming is a very different thing of like determining whether you're, well, actually, I'm not sure. I've never really investigated. I would assume evaluating if your co coding works, if you like, you know, making sure that your code works. Um, it, was more around, it, it might not be relevant, but it's like, it was more around the UX, like user experience, right? Right. Um, and like how you, how you uh, tie in the machine learning into user experience. So. Um, yeah. And I do see user experience as a very similar field that yeah, yeah. could also, you know, we, we could be partnering more in that. Um, for instance, at Claremont, um, our cognitive psychology program, at least from what I heard, uh, dropped the co-concentration and evaluation so that they could focus on user experience. And I'm like, mm, okay, cool. Uh, but, you know, the evaluation could be user experience. The problem is we approach at least at Claremont, and I think majority of the field approaches our evaluation from a program evaluation standpoint, and user experience focuses up the evaluation. It's a different um, evaluant that it's focusing on, um, and it does shift things a little bit. The whole the whole general logic of evaluation stays the same, but the, the end result, the purpose is a little different, and what the thing that's being evaluated is a little different. And who the, the the stakeholder is is a little different. And so it changes things to the point that there feels like there's a disconnect when really I don't think there is, or at least it's it doesn't have to be that way. Okay. We, you, we talked touched on this a little bit before, but if you, let's say this has happened to me and I'm just interested in your what you might say, but, um, and maybe you're going to repeat what you said already, but if you had to convince a someone, a methodologist, a, in the social sciences, someone you know, let's say, who doesn't have a particular interest in evaluation, doesn't know what evaluation is, that evaluation and uh, research are distinct, that uh, they, they overlap, like we said, with the Venn diagram, but one, yeah, evaluation is not just sort of embedded within research. What, and, and you don't have much time to, to do that, maybe? What would, what would your, uh, your brief bulleted pointed, uh, you know, like elevator speech be? Uh, I, I think I would emphasize that um, we work primarily with stakeholders to determine what we are examining, like what we are studying and how we are studying. Like there, there's more of a partnership lens that unlike research tends not to, it tends to be like, oh, I'd be interested in studying this. Let me go find a place where I can go study it. As uh -huh. opposed to somebody comes to me usually and is like, I need help with this. 
can you help me? And it's like, yes, I can do that. And so uh, I would emphasize like, I'm there to help support them in whatever their needs are as a program to determine whether or not it works and how well it works that, that merit worth significance type thing, the value judgment piece. Um, and yeah, we use a lot of similar methods, um, but I am working primarily for the program to help the program as opposed to coming in with my kind of long-term research agenda, trying to get published in the peer-reviewed literature. Like now my, my stuff tends to end with the final report and presentation to the stakeholders as opposed to uh, getting published. Like sometimes it gets published, but the, the framing is going to be very different than how I, I approached it with the, the stakeholders. Okay. Well, you kept me interested. So I think you'd, you would, you would definitely, uh, you could make a, a good argument there, a concise, a succinct argument there. Uh, that, that sounds, uh, that makes sense to me. What evaluation, uh, which evaluation theories do you use most in your work or theory? Like what is your kind of, kind of shifting gears a little bit, I think. Um, what, what is, what's your approach look like? So uh, I, it, mostly for my training, but theory driven evaluation is, is a big one. Um, so, um, you know, uh, like Stuart Donaldson, Huey Chen's theory driven evaluation. I try to be a, a, like, I have a collaborative approach, definitely. I try to be more participatory when I can. Um, I, I don't, it's not always what I'm able to do and not what I was necessarily trained to do. Um, I, I try to take a very contingency based approach. Um, so, like I almost always have a theory driven lens to what I'm uh -huh. doing, but it's very contingent based on the, the, the context of where I'm working, who I'm working with, what their needs are. Um, so I don't, it doesn't really necessarily change my, the, the broad theory or approaches that I use. Um, yeah. What does that mean exactly? Um, you know, I think this comes from Huey Chen as well of just kind of, um, kind of taking more of like a pragmatic uh, epistemological approach to the work that I'm doing um, rather than coming in with a particular lens and a particular framework. I try to like, sometimes I come in and it's like, yeah, an RCT would be great. Sometimes, um, sometimes I come in and it's like, wow, we really need to do a needs assessment. Um, you know, sometimes, um, I see that they really need to work on improving their use. So I take a much more um, uh, capacity building lens and utilization focused lens to the, pro the work that I'm doing. Um, sometimes um, the, the program is really uh, interested in more of a democratic evaluation approach. So I'll, I'll do more of a values engaged or democratic approach. So I try to be a little flexible in what I do. Although, yeah, the, typically it's utilization focused. Um, collaborative and theory driven. And I'm working on improving my knowledge and understanding of like social justice evaluation approaches, equitable evaluation approaches to, to build that into my typical evaluation approaches. Great. Thanks. So the, the theory side, the social uh, science theory that, it, that you find that you end up using or helpful in, in, in your work that can maybe comes up frequently. What is there any, uh, are there any uh, a particular um, other uh, orientations or findings or, or I guess theories, models um, that you that you use from the social sciences you find that are particularly helpful? Yeah, so my, my background and training in psychology, um, I, I, tend to, I tend to gravitate towards psychological theories um, and frameworks. Um, and then particularly I was developmental psychologist. So one of my favorites and the one that um, 
permeates a lot of my thinking all the time is Bronfenbrenner's um, bioecological framework. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's a systems framework, which basically is that, you know, that the individual me is nested within a variety of different um, larger and less concrete systems um, and, and uh, areas that also interact with one another to affect the individual. And just as a general framework of thinking with the systems lens, it's just constantly thinking about like what else could be affecting the individual in a program and always looking at like kind of those, those interaction effects. Um, so I, I like doing like interaction type effects, looking at kind of moderation analyses to see like um, how does this, how does this effect differ based on individual characteristics, based on contextual characteristics, based on family characteristics, after school program characteristics, different and then levels. how do those, yeah, yeah, different levels and and how those kind of affect like program outcomes, for instance. Um, so I, I tend to take that lens a lot. Um, lately, taking more of like an identity lens, so social identity theory is something I've been learning a lot more about and bringing that to my work. Um, theory of planned behavior is also something I've, I'm learning more about. Like if I could go back though, I would, I would, I would have studied social or organizational psychology because those are the ones that keep coming up more and more yeah. versus the developmental psychology, which is great for like studying the program, but like in thinking about how I approach the evaluation, the other two are usually a lot more relevant to all the things that I'm doing. Cool. Yeah. I think that there's a, that there's a lot in social psychology that, that we can use in our programs um, yep. when we consider it could really help our, uh, with program design. Um, exactly. Absolutely. With uh, the decision-making, like the bias and uh, heuristics and, and, uh, and bias and decision-making and, uh, or cognitive and, uh, bias and thinking, um, things like understanding like cognitive dissonance theory and its impact um, you know, there's just, there's, there's a ton there. What do you say for your uh, students as they're, as they really want to dig into evaluation, learn more about it? How do you, what do you recommend for them? Where do you, where do you point them? What's your, uh, MO? <laughs> yeah, well, um, they, they come into our program and if they're coming into our program, they usually don't care much about evaluation or know what it is or, but they're required to take our first evaluation class, which, you know, gets them sucked in. Um, and so it's just kind of like all the stuff I teach with, right? That That is how I approach it. Because most of the time, they're not really eager about it until they see like the effect of what they've done. And so it's not until like the end of the year that they're like, ooh, I think this could be the career for me. Um, it, it usually takes them a while because they come in, they're like, I want to be an IO psychologist. And uh, then I, I get to rope them into like, oh, you could do that in a Nordic field, but you could do evaluation, right? Like similar. Um, and probably aligned with what you're doing anyways, or interested in. So you have them learn, um, they do, they learn through a, some sort of project or something uh, yep, like that? service okay. learning projects. So, um, we have a year long, uh, course sequence in our program and it's their first year. They, um, they work with a local client. I usually go out and find the clients because by that point, they're not usually familiar with the, the area. So I'll find uh, a few organizational clients to work with in a variety of different sectors and areas who will work with us to do an evaluation throughout the year. So the students work directly with the programs. Um, I take a very hands-off approach to that. And it's like, no, you are their, their evaluators and I'm just helping supervise. So they work with directly with the clients to in the fall semester develop their evaluation plans, their proposals as a, as a, te- as a team. 
There's like a, a few students together. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Usually in st- uh, groups of three to four is I, I try not to do any smaller or less, but, or smaller or bigger than that. Uh, but you know, when group yeah. sizes change, it sometimes yeah. affects things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the spring semester, they do their evaluation, collect, you know, get their IRB approval, finalize their measures, um, collect their data, analyze their data, report back to stakeholders. Nice. So yeah. the, the, the students, who maybe you don't, you just, they come to your class, you don't see them again. How do you hope that the experience of learning about evaluation will impact them in their future work? Like, what would you, when you think about that? Yeah. Um, Yeah. Cause I know some, some people teach evaluation or know their students are primarily going to come out of it of like consumers of evaluation, um, people who will work with an evaluator in the future. I'm training my students to be future evaluators I know not all of them will be, but at least they know that that's a career opportunity that they could pursue if they want to. And so I think of it as they are probably going to go into like a research analyst type position in the first place. This is broadening the particular jobs that they can go into once they leave our program because um, they're getting a degree in, in uh, an MS in applied psychology. Um, and so they get this content expertise in IO psychology. They can bring that to a variety of fields. And this just opens up the possibilities for them. Um, so I, I do teach it as like, I want you to become a future evaluator. And if you don't become a future evaluator, okay, you've learned how to work directly with stakeholders. You've learned good teamwork skills. You've learned good methodological skills that would apply to any research project. You've learned the real world messiness of doing all of this work. You've learned project management skills. You've learned how to do a little bit of budgeting and time management. Um, like these are skills that regardless of where you're going to go, like you're going to need these skills. Yeah. And some of those they wouldn't learn uh, if they were, you know, let's say doing a uh, some some sort of like practica or, or they had a year long experience that was not evaluation. That was like a typical research kind of partnership or something like that. They might they might not learn, let's say, depending on who's teaching. Yeah, they might not. Yeah. Um, some of the things I think are really critical are the stakeholder involvement piece, um, like how to work with stakeholders and, and meet their needs. Um, I don't know. I, th- I, I, at least the way we approach our practicums, um, cause we also have a practicum requirement. It is very similar. Um, some of them will do more research experiences, but, but by then at least they've learned how messy it can be. Right. Now, like, Coming out of the, the class, honestly, a lot of the students are like, oh, I wish I'd done things so differently. I'm like, yeah, I kind of wish you did too. But, you know, I, I let you learn and learn from your failures. And now you're never going to make that mistake again. Mm-hmm. Or now, you know, you need to plan ahead of time. Usually it's time management, right? That um, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. realize it would take that long. I'm like, I try to warn you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that a lot. I hear myself saying that a lot. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, we've been doing some work. There's a group of us working on a, a paper right now on, on mindfulness and evaluation. And I've talked about that a bit and sort of blogged about it or posted on it. Um, like, you know, using like reflective questions to build mindfulness, uh, building on some other, uh, some, some uh, physicians who've done work uh, in that um, for their own training programs. But uh, I was wondering, uh, Certainly mindfulness is beyond re- reflective questions. There's other aspects to it as well. And it's also beyond, uh, it's not just med- uh, meditation. Um, but I'm, you know, I'm wondering if you, if you see, uh, to what extent you might see mindfulness uh, helping to support 
maybe the competencies that you know we're just you know we're we're, we're talking about maybe uh, help to help evaluators do better uh, job. Like, what, what is there a role? Is there a place? And you and you said that there was some work that maybe you were doing or talk or some people you were talking with about that. So I'm interested in, in your in your feet in your uh, insights on that or thoughts on that. Yeah. yeah. So one of the things that I love about our program is that um, Tiffany Smith, who's now at uh, University of North Carolina at Greensboro, um, she had my position before I came here and she developed a course for our graduate students or, or revised a pre-existing course for our graduate students on interpersonal effectiveness. And so uh, we have a, an, an explicit course focusing on the competency of interpersonal skills, um, which I think we are the only program that has that. And I have grown to love the fact that we have that uh, as a course. And, and I feel very honored to get to teach that course because it's, it's a life-changing course for our students, one, a life-changing course for myself. Yeah. Um, and so in that course, we focus on a lot of interpersonal skills, but um, what, and then Libby Smith, you know, current AEA board member who is our program director at Stout. So like, I, I'm very fortunate to have an evaluation colleague as well in our program. Um, when she started teaching the course, she brought in a um, mindfulness practice, um, mindfulness meditation type practice at the beginning of every class. And I've, I've incorporated that as well. Um, because, well, from a pedagogical standpoint, I think having that at the start of a th what is a three-hour class once a week um, yeah. is really great for us to build presence in the moment and, you know, like take a moment, you've had a day. We're in the afternoon now, like there are things going on in your life. And especially last year with everything that was going on with the multiple pandemics, it was nice to be like, okay, there are things going on. Let's take a moment. Let's breathe together. Let's, you know, focus on what we're doing and think now to like, what are we doing here today? And who are we with? Let's be prepared to have good conversations um, and not forget that those things are existing, but just be prepared to be in this moment with the rest of us together. So um, I find it really like incredibly helpful for that, but um, the three of us, Tiffany, Libby, and I have been um, working together. Um, Libby developed this, this framework on wholehearted interpersonal practices about how we can better cultivate that presence and which would only just impact our interpersonal qualities and skills that of course are a competency in our field. So like there are things that we need to focus on um, but we're just of the mind, like one, these things need to be taught. They need to be practiced on a regular basis and, um, that they're only going to improve our evaluation skills. So I like, I'm fully on board with all of this. I think this is incredible. We, uh, I, I tend to approach it. I tend to approach it from more of like a, um, journal reflecting, uh, standpoint, journal reflection standpoint. Um, but in that class, we, we, we practice a variety of other techniques to, to build that mindfulness, to practice our reflection, um, both personally and interpersonally. Cause I think, I think the one thing we talk about a lot is that the reflective practice is not a solo effort. It's something mm -hmm. that's done in community. And I think this is why sometimes I struggle with the whole journaling aspect of reflective practice. Cause I'd rather like have a dialogue, me and you, let's talk. Like I'm having this issue or this thing happened. I don't know what to do about it. 
um, having that dialogue is so critical and so helpful for doing it as opposed to, I'm just going to try to journal it because I'm lacking other perspectives on it, especially external, uh, perspectives that I'm too in the weeds right now, or too emotional about the situation to have a clear mind about it just yet, but they do, and they can help navigate me through the situation and I, for them as well. Yeah. So maybe both, uh, the journaling and having the community or having a, an opportunity to, um, to be able to, uh, reflect, um, with, with yeah, others. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that there's a, there's a place for a mindfulness practice uh, with virtually every, uh, career discipline, right? You see it being used in a very focused way to address uh, stress in certain like high stress professions from military, police, first responders to lit litigators, to attorneys, teachers, it's a high stress profession. I think programs develop for that. And I'm, you know, I, I think that, and, and a lot of those, those, those disciplines have a high burnout rate in evaluation. We don't necessarily, it doesn't seem like it, it can be very high stress. It can, it can certainly be high stress. There can be a lot of pressure. Let's say it doesn't seem like burnout is particularly high among evaluators, just based on looking at one study. Um, I don't know how, how much it's been studied in, in detail, but I think, um, you know, a mindfulness practice can be something that can support, like you're saying, a, a reflective practice can help, uh, build uh, openness, like decreased defensiveness, uh, openness to uh, to things that are maybe inconsistent with our initial beliefs. A lot of times we want to you know, be very, I want to you know sort of defend the, the ideas that I have and and don't even realize that I'm that I'm doing it. Um, so just noticing when there when that comes up, when there's conflicting cognitions or emotions that I'm uncomfortable with, and maybe sort of try to push away automatically just noticing that process is something that can that noticing can be something that could be cultivated can be built using a, a practice a formal practice but I, I think that there's there's applications across areas and i think Definitely. within our field there's certainly a, a space uh, for it um yeah what um so resources that you suggest uh, for like the beginning evaluators people who are interested in evaluation that maybe provide your students, like what are some specific resources that, that might be helpful? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've lately ditched the textbook. So I, I try to bring in a variety of different resources to my students when I'm teaching yeah. them, um, so that they get kind of a wide variety of perspectives from folks. Yeah. Um, and I, I should have better prepared for this question. Cause I'm like, I'm like my, <laughs> my bookcase is right here with all of my books yeah. and yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, we could put in the in the notes. So you know, if there's like specific things, or if there's a you know, we could put like a list or of, of different yeah. I'll see what I can do off the notes. top of my head. Okay. Um, yeah. I think one of my favorite to like really start off with is um, um, Mara Valkin and um, Ann Bo's book, the A Disease uh, Evaluation Essentials. I think it's called. Yeah. Um, I like that as a yeah. small little book to help folks kind of get into the field. Donna Podom's book. Um, is it being an evaluator? I think it is. That's also really good. Like getting into like the thought processes. And I, I really like that one because it really shows like what it means to be an evaluator as opposed to the evaluation process. Like it's, mm -hmm. it's more of a person focus as a, as opposed to process product focused. Um, 
Veronica Thomas and uh, Blink, oh, oh, Patricia Campbell, I think, um, came out with a recent textbook, um, Evaluation in Today's Society, I think it's called, um, that is evaluation from a social justice standpoint. And I love it because most books up to this point um, or have either been standalone, it's like a standalone chapter like, okay, a social justice lens, like the Mertens and Wilson's textbook is really great that it adds that kind of fourth uh, branch to the theory tree and adds that transformative paradigm. Um, but her book has it permeate the entire process, like thinking about evaluation from a social justice lens throughout from start to end, which I really appreciate. So she brings in um, um, like critical race theories, feminist evaluation approaches, um, uh, evaluation uh, practitioners of color, um, indigenous scholars, like throughout the entire thing. So we're not just getting a, what has historically been a historic, like a, a, a white male perspective for the most part that has historically been what our field has been. Right. Um, and, and that's something I've been again, I've been working on personally. And like, if I were to switch textbooks, it would be that one. Um, other resources I tend to navigate my students towards are the AEA 365 bogs. Um, those are great to nice short pieces to mm. um, get a sense of what's going on in the field. Um, Better Evaluation has a wonderful website that I always gravitate people towards. Um, the Western Michigan has their list of checklists that I love to uh, <laughs> assign as readings oftentimes. And I, I adapt those into my grading rubrics for their evaluation proposals. Mm. Um, and then I always try to, and I, I'm very rarely successful. Every once in a while I get a student um, to get students onto Twitter. Uh, Cause I think the Twitter community, uh, the evaluation Twitter community is one, a wonderful group of people, but that's where I get most of my professional development these days because people will share their blogs or whatever on there uh -huh. and I will learn about them, read about them, find out more on there, or I'll just get to have conversations with folks. I've met some wonderful colleagues through Twitter. Um, I get the sense the same is true on LinkedIn, but I'm just not as active there and I haven't quite like figured out LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't quite yeah. like the platform, but I know there's a great community on there as well. Yeah. You know, I, I only, there is, uh, it's, I only have sort of enough bandwidth for one, if, if that, and I try right. to limit how much I, I check. And so I, I'll check Twitter once in a while, but it's, it tends to, you know, lead to like a lot of time on there. So, you know, with, with LinkedIn, yeah, LinkedIn, there's, there's some great stuff too. And I, I feel, yeah, I feel like there's a lot you can get. I'm just seeing what's, what's going on, what's posting, uh, what's being posted about and, and, uh, different like interviews, stuff that you've done. So like, uh, let, let's talk about that, getting in touch with you, um, following like your work, how do, how do people, so on, on, uh, your social, your handle on, on Twitter, is that a good yep. place then it sounds like? Yeah. Twitter's a great place. It's okay. at Dana Wanzer, just my full name. Uh, you can also find me on my website, danawanzer.com. Um, I'm also on Instagram, but it's kind of more me just posting pictures of my dogs uh, more than anything. Uh, occasionally I get a little nerdy on there um, and TikToks. I've been getting into TikTok lately, which is a major time suck. Um, yeah. There's some cool communities of people like I've been learning Excel tips. Like somebody just does Excel tips that some of them I had never heard of. I was like, really? oh, this is like a one cool. minute, like a one minute Excel tip, like just. 
Exactly. You know, I've been looking for like evaluation stuff on there. I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything, but that's, but maybe, that, yeah, that's just like, a few, you know, some months ago, but um, yeah, it, it's uh Pinterest. Do you ever go in there? Uh, no, I don't, I don't even have an account. Like sometimes I'll see like a cool Pinterest board that I'll uh-huh. like look at, but I, it's usually not even anything that I want to save. So um, I'm not on Pinterest very much either. I'm on Facebook, but that's a personal account. Uh, and then LinkedIn, I think it's also at Dana Wanzer. The, um, the, after my name is Dana Wanzer as, as well. Great. Perfect. Uh, and then I guess they could find you on your, uh, UW, uh, stout, uh, website also yep. email and so forth. Great. Um, anything else we didn't cover that you want to mention or is that, uh, anything else? Ooh, um, I don't think so. Well, I mean, I, I have, uh, I have a podcast as well. Yeah, so podcast, that's uh, right. yeah. yeah. Um, and Evaluate land. Yep. Um, that, that rolls off the tongue, maybe not so nicely, but, uh, um, I, so I've got that. And, um, on that, I just want to give a little plug in shout out to, um, all the other evaluation podcasts that are out there. I've got a link on my evaluate.fireside.fm on the website. There's a link to all the other evaluation podcasts that I, uh, I'm aware of, um, some of whom, some of which are discontinued, but I, I've been trying to maintain that list. So if you like evaluation podcasts, check that out. Uh, you both of yours should be on there. Your YouTube, I think your YouTube as well. Um, but the data talks and, um, do you have two podcasts now? Cause I, so I changed Eve it. On yeah, network? I cha- yeah. I changed the name to the network. Yeah. Uh, okay. Talks, I'll so, need to change yeah. that on the website then. Yeah, yeah. I think it still <laughs> says data talks. Okay, cool. <laughs> Well, great. Um, yeah, thank you so much. Thanks for, for the discussion. Really, uh, really interesting. And look forward to talking to you more and hopefully seeing you at uh, AEA in the, in the near future, um, in person one day. Um, hopefully someday. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. I hope you've enjoyed this episode please visit the podcast website at evaluland.fireside.fm where you can subscribe to get notified of new episodes and contact us with your questions, comments, or suggestions. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, this has been Evaluland.